Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and welcome back to another Housing Matters Podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. And this time we're talking about the macro environment, the uh, the housing market specifically, and we also got a bit of a, of a coronavirus update. But before we go too far, I should introduce myself. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Deputy Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined today by my partner in crime, our Senior Economist and Director of Research, Oscar Way. Hey, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. So uh, this time we do, and maybe we should do the coronavirus update first, because I think... Uh, you know, there, there is some, I guess, light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want to be too optimistic <laughs> about this, but we've, you know, we've seen the numbers come down a bit from where they were or from the heights of where they were, I guess, but yet, I guess, still kind of remain stubbornly high. Can you walk us through kind of what's going on both nationally, but more importantly, here in California? Absolutely. You're right. You know, we always say, you know, we have, we can see the light of the tunnel, the, the end of the tunnel, you know, see some lights, but then of course, every now and then we see a spike. So let's give you guys, you know, some statistics to, to work with. Now, if you look at the national level, uh, the, uh, the death toll is very, very high. Still, you yeah. had 174,000. That's actually very, very high. And we, and of course we have a lot of cases, uh, 5.6 million cases, uh, and plus change. And of course, um, Yes, we increase the number of testings, uh, but uh, still, that's a very, very high number. Uh, and at the uh, state level, uh, we also are, are not easing up as much as what we would like it to be. Right. You know, if you look at the number of cases, we surpassed, what, 628,000 already. That's, yeah. uh, what, within the last, what, five months or so? Um, and if you take a look at death toll, it's uh, over 11,000. Yeah, 11,242. So still just a, a significant number of deaths, regardless of the cases and the testing and all of that stuff. I think, you know, over 11,000 people dead is is big numbers. Yeah, very big number. And you said, Jordan, about, you know, whether we're seeing the end of the tunnel lights at the end of the tunnel. I mean, if you take a look at number of new cases, uh, right. you might think, well, that's a little bit more encouraging compared to a month ago. A month ago, we had, what, about 9,000 cases. Now it's about 6,500. So that's a little bit more encouraging, uh, but uh, you have, we have to look at it on a day-to-day basis. So um, it looks like it's uh, you know, trending down a little bit, but we yep. have to observe and see you know, how uh, things are going. But yeah. one thing that I have noticed is the number of new deaths. I think it definitely has gone down. So uh, hopefully that will continue. That's right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the the key for me when I look at, you know, and there's a lot of numbers and you just put out kind of the hard mm-hmm. information on what's going on out there. But I think, you know, just when you when you look at the charts and just take the kind of big picture view, you do see things coming down, but they just come down so slowly. And it's not this kind of uh, V-shaped, you know, recovery that we would hope where we can really put this thing in the rear view mirror. They go down a bit, then they go back up a bit. And so when you, even when you look at those moving averages, there's, you know, fewer people in the hospital, there's fewer people uh, dying over the last couple right. of days. And actually even the, the positive rate, I think, has come down a little bit, but, but it's still high. Right. And so, and it hasn't come all the way down. So, so we can't just put it in the rear view mirror and really get on a strong recovery footing from, from an economy or housing standpoint. 
Yeah, every single time we see a dip down and we see, okay, while well, the down declining trend is uh, continuing and then you see a little bit of a, a spike up or an inch up uh, every uh, other couple of days. So um, we will have to continue to observe and see. And keep in mind also, I think we, we, we told our uh, audience that we're still in the summer when we get into the fall season, that's when uh, we need to be very, very concerned. Right. And that was kind of the real big push, I think, to get this more firmly in the rear view mirror, just so we have less, uh, less exposure when it comes time for, for those viruses to thrive. Well, what's, what's going on in the economy, right? Because we did get uh, the GDP numbers. And I think when you look at, at the, the kind of rear view mirror on the economic data, we have both like the kind of second quarter, which looks like it bore the brunt. And, and we see that, that that really showed up big time when we look at just overall economic growth. Right, we kind of we we we've been talking about it, and we saw it coming. We know that the second quarter is going to be a hit, big hit in the second quarter, and of course, it's what it is. Uh, in the second quarter, after dropping about five percent, we drop another thirty-three percent or so. Yeah, I think you know by now our listeners probably should not be surprised a drop of thirty-three percent. Now, um, Jordan, can maybe well, you can walk us through what the GDPs are. Now, some of the big item in GDP is one of the reasons why we're seeing a significant drop, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we saw drops across the board pretty much, but but we really got hit hard where it hurts the most. Most of our economy, almost 70% of our economy still is based on consumer spending and both because of the kind of, you know, impacts the multiplier effects that are, are associated with the uh, you know millions of people who lost jobs during right. April May and June and therefore weren't out there earning income um, but also just the the kind of economic uncertainty the financial market impacts their stock portfolios weren't doing too hot in April and May and so um, all of these things contributed to a huge pullback uh, about 35% pullback actually in wow. consumer spending during the second quarter, which drove most of the decline. But businesses also pulled back pretty significantly with uh, private investment down almost 50% as well. It wow. makes up a much smaller share, but you can see both businesses and households really had to take a, a big step back as, as basically the economy pressed pause for a few months. Yeah, shouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, when you talk about the consumer spending, we talk about sometimes, you know, we can, yes, we can definitely order things online using Amazon or whatever, but at the same time, the service sector, you know, we can't go out and, uh, you know, to, to bars and restaurants. Um, we're not yeah. traveling as much. So, I mean, those you industries- your haircut really remotely. So. Right, right. And, and if, you know, when you have all that kind of uncertainty, you know, businesses, why would businesses want to invest, right? Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of them just weren't seeing that, that revenue coming in. And so, of course, when the, the money's not coming in the front door, then, then you can't send it back out the back door um, on new, new investments. The good news, though, is that we have seen consumers start to come back. So when we think ahead towards what Q3 is going to look like, mm -hmm. and, and some of this won't be surprising to us in the housing market because we're getting um, data weekly and monthly right. and we don't have to wait for quarterly data. But, uh, but we have seen consumers come back. So a few months in a row, we actually have seen consumer spending increase and, and to the extent that we're now up, I think, on a year-over-year -year basis when you look at the, uh, at the retail sales. And of course, with that being 70% of the economy, that means that, uh, that, that we can expect the economy itself to come back, hopefully sharply, in the third quarter. But it was also pretty broad-based, right? We saw it across the board. 
Yeah, and and you know the the you you said it right. You know, it's very encouraging because it's right when we we just have the July number, and it looks like it already uh, is higher than what we were in the, the pre pre pandemic level right. in February. So that's good. Um, and it's across the board. The only thing that's a little weak, I think, is auto sales, which sure. cooled down a little bit in July. But we're seeing electronics and appliance increase quite significantly by what, 22, 23% compared to the previous month. Of course, uh, you know, clothing and restaurants, we are seeing, you know, smaller increase. Uh, but still, you know, it's an increase. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, the retail sales probably will continue to see some increase. But I, I, I'm also a little concerned uh, because, you know, going into August, uh, the retail sales may not grow as much because of what happened with uh, the labor market. Right. Yeah. And I think both both that as well as what's going on at the policy level in Washington, D.C., right. where we could have some folks uh, lose some of that supplemental income that they are That's currently right. getting as part of the uh, the unemployment package that or the stimulus package that Congress passed along the way throughout this. But, uh, you know, also we still see a lot of folks who just in general aren't working and we've seen new uh, unemployment claims come down, but we're still talking about, uh, you know, an unemployment rate of over 10% nationwide. It's declined for three months in a row and we're below that, you know, almost 15% point that we were back in April. But, uh, you know, that's still a, a looming thing, especially when you think about it from the consumer spending standpoint as as we lose that that additional benefit or or at least there's kind of a question mark hanging over what's going to happen to that additional benefit. Yeah, I mean, when, when we talk about 10% or so unemployment rate, uh, yeah, it might be, you know, it might look like it's smaller than you know, three months ago, but 10% is what, about 16 million or so? What, right. We have a labor force, about 116 million in a nation of a whole, as a whole. So that's a lot of people. And um, you also said it, you know, it has a lot to do with, you know, the, the policy up front too, because if the, the federal assistant on unemployment just expired at the end of July, and uh, as of now, um, yes, there's an executive order, but that might actually, the checks may not be distributed until, what, three, four weeks from now. Right. Um, so, you know, there are definitely people who are tightening up their pocket, uh, you know, by not spending. Um, and then, of course, on a weekly basis, the initial claims, it yeah. also shows some, you know, pretty encouraging news that we're seeing, what, uh, less than a million? Fewer than um, a million for the first time, I think, since the crisis started, actually filed for for unemployment. But I think, you know, again, and and that's why it's so tough to kind of do, do this kind of analysis <laughs> for our members, because on the one hand, things have moved in in the right direction. And we have seen the unemployment rate come down from 15% to 10. We saw another right. 1.7 or 1.8 million jobs added. We've seen unemployment claims fall below uh, a million. And yet, you know, I think we're still about 12, 12 and a half million jobs behind where we were yeah. before the crisis. And we've still got, you know, 16, 17 million people um, on, on the ongoing unemployment claims. And I think even here in California, we're still a couple of million people um, on that continuing unemployment claim role. Right. And so even as things, you know, move in, in the right direction, the pace of the improvement has slowed a little bit. And, and, and regardless, we just have a long way to go. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time uh, before we get better, even though we're at 10%, but who knows when we, we are going to get down to, you know, seven or eight, um, may or may not be, be at the end of the year, but, uh, yeah. 
um, it's going to take a while. But what about you know the housing market? It actually has taken a little bit uh, faster recovery than we previously thought. Yeah, definitely, and and you know in some ways we're we're kind of on the the bleeding edge of of the improvement, or or in some ways kind of carrying the rest of the economy, which yeah. isn't doing so hot. Um, but housing is is you know, and I think that's one of the big takeaways from me from this whole crisis, and why I'm still optimistic long term about housing here in California um, is, is just this crisis has improved the value of home or it's made our homes more important to us than ever. It's given us the, the flexibility with work from home to pursue you know, this, this dream of home ownership. And, and we see that yes, in, in you know, March and April and May, we, we see the extent that, that you know, COVID-19 took on, on the market as the whole entire economy pressed pause. But, you know, in, uh, in June and now, as we know, and just reported this week in July, um, the housing market came back very strongly. And in fact, we, we not only had our second month in a row with double digit gains where we were up by almost 30%, which right. aside from, um, you know, June's number is the fastest increase we've ever seen on a month to month basis. Um, but we're actually up from where we were it at this time in 2019, even when there wasn't a, a pandemic back then. So we're not quite at the, the you know, the, the height that we've been at, but, you know, significant progress being made. And, and again, a year over year increase, pretty, pretty impressive for July. Very impressive. I mean, I didn't expect things to turn around in the second half of the year. And there are a few reasons, of course, you know, when you take a look at interest rates, you know, you said it earlier, people value their home uh, or home ownership a lot more now because of, you know, reasons not necessarily completely related to the housing market, but because of, you know, the coronavirus and stuff like that. But things that are related to the housing market, such as very, very low interest rates. We have interest rate at below 3%, at least for the last, what, how many weeks now? And it could even go down even more. That's right. Um, yeah. Unprecedented. And, and, and of course, you're seeing, you know, I think anecdotally we have heard that, you know, some areas are, you know, a lot more uh, uh, growing a lot faster than others. And, you know, looking at our July's number, we saw that some of the uh, little bit more remote area like Lake Tahoe and Lake Arrowhead, they seem to be booming just as we said, you know, it's increased by what, 100% or so. Yeah, no, and and it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, the state it's, as a whole went up by almost thirty percent, but we're talking about some areas like you said, uh, Mammoth even, and and you know the Big Bear area, Tahoe, um, are up three times that much. So we don't I get know. good migration data except for from the census, really, and and they're always about a year behind. So we can't say for sure that that we see direct evidence of of this uptick in terms of the migration statistics. But if you look at the housing markets that were growing the fastest in July, there definitely seems to be at least some indication that these markets that either offer better affordability or higher quality of life than some of the denser employment centers certainly are, are kind of leading the pack as it were when it comes to uh, you know, home selling more. Right, I mean, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. We can't say they're migrated to, people migrated to those areas, but at least they're buying they're, homes right. in the area. Right. That's right. I mean, buying homes in the area. And now, there are some, yeah, go ahead. 
No, no, I was going to just say, I think that, you you know, that's part of why you see some of that showing up in in the price data as well, is that you see people buying in these kind of more, um, you know, resort areas, but also we're seeing the top end of the market doing right. really well. And, and you know, so, so we're kind of seeing the supply and demand intersect because we also set a new all-time high home price last month. Oh, absolutely. I mean, of course, we're seeing... Supply and demand is, you know, for us economists, we look at supply and demand. Of course, if there is not enough supply, we always see, you know, an increase in, in, in price. But let's forget about supply for now. It, just looking at the demand, it's red hot. And so we're seeing, you know, home prices actually hit uh, 666000 wow. You know, we, we just set a, a median, a new median price, a statewide median price in, uh, in June. And then we were setting another one in July. And if you just look at the demand, you know, based on pending sales, for example, right. you know that it's going to be possibly even more in August. So that means we could have an, a pretty uh, strong uh, August plus possibly another record-setting month in August in terms of price. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, it's on the one hand, I think it's, it's good because it shows that the market is definitely more stable than many folks um, originally predicted it would be. And we also see the ferocity of the demand because, uh, you know, pending sales for July were up by almost 25%. And that right. suggests that, you know, the demand remains robust looking forward. So we didn't just have a couple of good months. It looks like we're going to have a few more good months. And, and again, we just have such a, a limited amount of inventory that it's really pushing up these prices. And hopefully that does maybe lure some sellers back into the market because even though pending sales are high and we could probably expect closed sales to do well again in August. Right. Um, and the weekly numbers suggest that probably even into, uh, into September, we'll see relatively high numbers on, on the closing side, but eventually um, inventory is going to become a problem, right? Because we, we see big, uh, big reductions, both in terms of our unsold inventory index and also just the, the number of listings coming onto the market, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we mentioned about, you know, price going up or sales going up because of interest rate, but supply is another reason that pushed home prices up as well. Supply in terms of active listings dropped 25, well, dropped for eight month eight months in a row, it dropped more than twenty five percent. But just the month of July, it dropped close to fifty percent. Imagine wow. this: you know, we only have half the listings that we had last year. That's how bad it is, and that's why we're seeing some significant in, increase in in price. But you know, the forty you might think, okay, well, forty eight percent maybe it's just seasonal, right. but it's looking like you know at least in the next you know couple months or so. Uh, we might see continue to see tight supply for the next couple months. Now we talked about housing market, the house, the home buying season being extended. Yeah. Most, it looks like we it will be extended yeah. uh, to August and September. But uh, for people who are shopping for home right, right now, find, trying to find a home is not easy. Yeah, and that's that's gonna even put more pressure on prices, right? Because those folks who are still employed, whose stock portfolio has maybe come back, who are able to get in at one of those two point seven five percent 
Um, mm-hmm. Mortgage rates are going to, um, you know, be able to offer more money and to be more competitive. And that's going to put upward pressure on what homes, you know, are ultimately out there. And so even as, as the jobs numbers start to come back, right, as the unemployment numbers start to go down and that demand, you know, stays robust and everybody files for mortgage applications, which are going through the roof and all of that stuff, if there's not the inventory out there, then right. at some point we, we're not going to be able to keep up at this, you know, pace of impressive growth in home sales. And so, um, you know, I don't want to be the wet blanket at the party because, you know, the, the July numbers that we put out were, were actually, um, you know, exceeded expectations and show really strong, you know, activity in the market. But, uh, you know, we, we d- really do need those, those, listings and and i think that you know in some ways that's why the the increase in prices is good news right because there's nothing that makes sellers come around quicker um than prices that are rising homes that are selling quickly um you know that are selling at full asking price and you're starting to see a lot of those things borne out by the market so maybe we'll get some some extra inventory yeah hopefully i mean i saw some uh, news today regarding housing starts i know Built home builders are definitely building more. I yep. don't know about California, uh, but uh, they're definitely definitely building more at a national level. Uh, but uh, yeah, the short-term momentum in terms of uh, sales and housing market is concerned. I think we're seeing it in the next couple months or so, but it still comes down to whether we have enough supply you know, to, uh, to fulfill those uh, demand. Now, and of course, if we don't have enough supply to, to fulfill those demand, you're gonna, we're going to see some increase in price, and that's going to affect housing affordability. And right. we just reached our second quarter's number, right? Second quarter 2020 number came out, and uh, actually, you know, we deteriorated a bit relative to where housing affordability was in the first quarter. So uh, uh-huh. 33% of households out there could afford the median priced home, and that's largely due to um, you know, weakness on the income side of the equation because of the job losses and things right. like that that we saw in the second quarter. But actually, um, kind of cutting against that is the low rates, right? Because for for our housing affordability calculation, it's not just prices that matter; it's also the uh, the interest rate that you pay on on the mortgage. And so, in some ways, that weakness in income was was you know offset by such a huge reduction in rates, especially relative to where we were at this time last year, because right. uh, our housing affordability index actually improved from the second quarter of 2019, largely, uh, actually almost entirely because of, of those lower rates. Yeah, we dropped about what, 70 basis point, which is actually pretty significant. If you take a look at you know, how it is, um, it was 3.7, 3.8% quarter, second quarter of last year, and it dropped down to 3%. Right. I mean, if you think 70, 70 basis point out of what, 3.7%, that's huge. Yeah, on a six hundred thousand dollar home, that turns into uh, real money on a on a Absolutely. monthly basis of several hundred dollars per month, and and so that you know again helped to offset the fact that income growth wasn't as as robust as as it should have been. Um, you know, it's still not a particularly affordable place. So we have seen some improvement relative to where we were at this time last year, but we're still only talking about a third of the state. And when you just look at it on paper, uh, you know, the, the income that you need to be able to afford a payment with 20% down and, you know, the prevailing interest rate, it's pretty high. 
It is. I mean, you just have to go look at you know how it compares to the nation as a whole, right? The nation is what fifty five percent or so. I don't have the numbers right in front right. of me, but it's about fifty yeah. percent. So that's pretty pretty uh, high level. And of course, um, you know, a lot of time you also need to look at you know down payment. You know, in order to come up with that down payment, of course, uh, with a six hundred thousand ish or so uh, median price, you still need about for twenty percent down payment, you still need about one hundred twenty thousand, which is not a small number. Right. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, if you look at the income distribution here in California, um, you know, to be able to make that payment of, uh, uh, you know, 20, 28, almost $2,900 uh, a month, there's, there's not a lot of households or not enough households, shall I say, um, that can clear that hurdle. And so, you know, in some ways it's a, a great time to buy. Prices are rising. We've never had lower interest rates than we had uh, right now. And the, you know, the, the prospects for home prices to continue to grow, I think, remain positive in California. Um, and yet there's just not enough homes and, and not enough folks who are able to take advantage of this once in a lifetime opportunity. So, so I think that we can be optimistic because a lot of those economic numbers are moving in the right direction. When we looked at the, uh, the COVID numbers, those are right. starting to move in the right direction on cases, on deaths, on hospitalizations. Um, and yet at the same time, the, the, the challenges remain there and the numbers remain naggingly high even as they have moved in the right direction. And that's true on the virus, that's true on unemployment, um, you know, and, and the non-farm jobs which have come back but still have a long way to go. And so um, when you put it all together, I think the housing will still be on the leading edge for a while, right? But eventually the toll that this has taken on the broader economy will filter through probably to, uh, to you know the especially the entry level side of of the market and and we might see things be a, a little bit slower we'll just have to keep an eye on it absolutely i mean at, at least we can say compared to a couple months ago or three more four months ago from the housing market perspective uh, it looks a little bit brighter uh, right some of the other things like the uh, they're not our expertise like you know <laughs> yeah. coronavirus i you know there are a lot of uncertainties there we cannot say for sure those ones we just have to uh, to wait and see, but we're more mm -hmm. optimistic about the demand for housing, right? And that, that the economy will continue to to get better. The bigger the bigger issue now is is just how much demand we have and where are we going to find the homes to put all these people in. Which I guess that's a that's a, a good problem to have, and it certainly beats the alternative. Um, and and this might be an opportunity for you to convince some of those sellers to to jump back in because the the conditions again are are fairly favorable. It's not a a terrible time to uh, have your house on the market when things are selling fast, close to asking price. So uh, we'll go ahead and and leave this one here. We'll come back in the next couple of weeks as we know more about what's happening in the housing market and the economy. And uh, until then, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one. See ya.